We're going to begin a new study this morning. We're going to look at the book of Acts. Now, you may look at the book of Acts and think that's 28 chapters. And I tend to cover about three verses per sermon. So many of us won't be alive to see the end of this. We, we are going to start slow, but we'll pick up the, the pace as we go along, okay? I make you that promise. Um, Acts is a, is a great study because it's, it's really the first chapter, the first book of church history. You know, we, uh, we take a lot for granted today. We take church for granted, frankly. And, and we don't think about the beginning of church. But this is, what we see in Acts is the beginning of of church, the very beginning. Think about this, because this institution, that, 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 this organization, this, or, uh, this, this, this thing we have as church, it didn't exist then. This was the first time in history that the Jew and the Greek and the Roman came together in one place. It was the first time where men and women gathered together to, to praise God together. That just never happened before. It was never a part of this culture. It was never a part of history until what we're going to see today. Until Acts, that really starts it all. Now, Acts is often called, and in fact, it may say in your Bible, the Acts of the Apostles. But I think it should, it, it's, uh, I think it should be called, and it's, it's more accurate to say that this is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to see the beginning of the Holy Spirit here. Again, if you think about this in terms of, of history, the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit was there. There's no question. But it came upon certain people for certain purposes. Kings, priests. It came on them. It, it, it anointed them for this purpose. And then it left. Now we're going to see the Holy Spirit come and dwell. And so it, it's really the beginning of so many things. It began the church. It began the Holy Spirit living within believers. It, it just began an entire different, uh, a new ministry of the ministry of Jesus. But what we don't see in Acts is ends. We, we see beginnings. We see transitions. We see continuations. We don't see ends. Because this is still happening. The Holy Spirit is still birthing churches. It's still birthing Christians. He's still alive and well among us, in us, and in our church. And so this isn't some kind of end. This is more of a beginning. And we'll talk about that as we go along. So... We are just going to cover the first three verses of Acts today. Acts chapter 1, and it is up here behind me. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and reach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the kingdom of God. So let's look at this kind of, kind of introduce 
Acts to you, kind of the intro of Acts. Acts is written by Luke, the physician, and, and you notice really at the beginning of this, he says that he already wrote one volume, and this is volume two. He, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And Acts, he says to us right up front here, Acts is a volume two. He wrote in the Gospel of Luke, the birth to the death and resurrection, and then a little bit after the resurrection, a few of the times that Jesus acted after his resurrection. We see all of that in the Gospel of Luke. Then he writes this and says, this is chapter two. This is volume two. This is what happens in the ministry of Jesus beyond this time. Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke starts out saying, many have undertaken to compile a narrative with the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, so it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things which you have been instructed. So you see, that's how Luke starts, with a dedication to Theophilus, and saying, I gathered all this information and I'm going to present it to you. And then he starts here in the book of Acts and says, this is volume two. I told you about that. Now let me tell you about this. And so we see that, that in the book of Acts is not the beginning of a ministry of Jesus. It is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus did all these things from birth to death to resurrection to after resurrection. Now he's going to go up. He's going to ascend into heaven and the ministry transitions from there. It's not new. It just changes. Winston Churchill, when he was addressing the House of Commons in World War II, they had just won, Britain had just won a big battle in Africa, northern Africa. And so he addressed them and said, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it may be the end of the beginning. I think that's what Luke is telling us. The cross isn't the end. The resurrection isn't the end, but it may be the end of the beginning because the ministry of Jesus continues from here. Now, Theophilus, uh, it, it, it literally means God lover or lover of God, uh, God beloved, um, it's, it's translated basically that way. And so there are those who say that this was written just to all, all people who love God. And so if you call yourself a lover of God, then this was written to you. There are also those who say that Theophilus is a particular person that Luke knew, a Christian that Luke knew. Some of the early church fathers, I thought this was really interesting, some of the early church fathers said that Theophilus was actually the defense attorney for Paul in his trial against Rome. And so this was written like a legal brief to lay out what happened for that trial of Paul. I think that's interesting, but there's really very little evidence for that. So I'm probably in the camp that this was a Christian friend of, of Luke's that he's writing to. And what we see, as I said before, we see a transition. We don't see an end. We don't see a beginning so much as, a, as we see a transition. Luke gives us a timeline. His, his gospel covers 
what Jesus did from birth to death to resurrection to a little bit beyond resurrection. And now he's going to pick it up and say, this is what happened after the ascension of Jesus. So we have a timeline. And there's an important transition here. Because this transition is what we just take for granted today. This transition, Jesus had been with these disciples in person. Like you and I are together in person right now. They, they had literally heard from the lips of Jesus. They had been taught by Jesus himself as a teacher sitting in, or standing in front of them. He taught them in parables. He taught them in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He taught them in person. And now we see that the agent of instruction is going to be the Holy Spirit. So we have a transition here that the Holy Spirit is now going to pick up on the bodily uh, uh, presence of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is going to go to heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, and now we're going to have the Holy Spirit doing the ministry Jesus does. So you see how this transitions. It transitions for the disciples, and it transitions for us. So we understand how the, how the, the, the ministry of Jesus continues today. This is how it started. This is where it transitioned from Jesus being bodily here to, to the Holy Spirit showing us being the presence of Jesus. Jesus uh, said that the Holy Spirit would do all these things. It just, he, he is just fulfilling the promises that Jesus gave. In, in John, Jesus says he would be the advocate. He'd be the comforter. He'd be the, 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 the spirit of truth. He would teach us. And now we see those promises coming true. It's the beginning of the, holy, of the ministry of the spirit of Christ, as Paul calls it and Pete, Peter calls it. We, Christ even said in, in, in the Gospel of John, he said he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. Now, why is that? Because Jesus could only teach the people that were literally physically near him. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, can be everywhere at once. So here we are, thousands of miles from the Middle East, thousands of miles from Jerusalem, and we are being taught by the Spirit of Christ. So it had to happen this way. And, and as it happened this way, starting here, it still continues. The bodily presence of Jesus is now the believer to some degree and the church to a larger degree. What do we call the church? The body of Christ. The body of Christ is the, the physical representation of Jesus on earth now all through the Spirit of Christ. Now, Luke also reminds us that Jesus is alive. He's alive. Why is this important? Well, I want you to consider a few things. First of all, it's important for the ministry to continue, isn't it? Because if Jesus isn't alive anymore, then his ministry isn't alive anymore. When I go... This, my ministry here won't, won't continue. <laughs> You'll have somebody else standing up here. Jesus, his, he's alive, so his ministry continues. So it's important for that reason. The, the, the cross wasn't the end. The tomb wasn't the end. 
He's alive, so he's able to continue the, the ministry that he has. But I also want you to consider, put yourself in the sandals of the disciples. They had followed Jesus for about three years. They had put their trust. They, they decided that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the, the one from God, the one that God promised. He was it. They had seen him do miracles. They had seen him cast out demons. They have seen that the, that the wind and, and the sea listens to him and does what he tells it. They'd seen all of this, and then they'd seen him beaten and whipped and nailed to a cross like a criminal, and they saw him die. Do you think their faith was shaken? They knew in their heads, they knew in their hearts, this was the Son of God, this was the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world. They knew it, and yet they watched as he died. So do you think it's an important message to them? He's alive. He's alive. It's an incredibly important message to them as well. Because most of these guys were so convinced of the resurrection that they were martyred for their faith later. These guys, and we've looked at it before, these guys at the end of, of uh, I think it's John chapter 19, they are huddled in a room with a door locked because they're afraid. They've watched Jesus die. Now, now they're empowered. Now, they are, now they're unstoppable. So Jesus is alive is, a, is, a, uh, is an incredibly important message for the disciples. And then it says that he showed them many convincing proofs. Now that's, that technically, that, that literally means logical evidence. He proved to them beyond their doubt, beyond their shaken faith, he proved to them that he was alive. And, and probably the most interesting part of this phrase is it says, over a period of 40 days. Now, in the Gospels, there's about 12 uh, different references to Jesus, the, the, the risen Jesus, Jesus after the resurrection uh, being seen and doing things, about 12. But we're never told a time frame. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus appeared to 500 people, but we're not told a time frame. In fact, in, the, in all of the New Testament, the only place that we have a, a, a time frame of any kind is right here. And it says, for a period of 40 days. Well, does 40 days ring a bell to you? Because it should. Because how, uh, 40 years in the wilderness for the people of the Exodus, 40 days that Moses spent on Mount Sinai to get the law, 40 days that, that Elijah spent on Mount Horeb, 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness being, uh, being tempted by, by Satan. 40 days, 40 has rich theological meaning. And it wasn't lost on the disciples. They understood that. They saw it. And so think about what this means to the disciples. They, were not only, they not only saw convincing proof, they saw it for more than a month. They saw Jesus in their lives, the risen Jesus in their lives for more than, four, uh, more than a month, 
for 40 days. They understood. They knew that Jesus was alive. So what are these what does this intro mean for, about God and, and what does it say about us? And what must we do? I think the first thing that we need to realize is God wants us to understand the transition of the ministry of Jesus. That the ministry of Jesus doesn't stop. It transitions. It goes from Jesus being physically here in this place to Jesus being physically everywhere in his church, and in his people, in the Holy Spirit. He wants us to see, God wants us to see this transition and see literally what we are doing today starts right here. Think about that. The church didn't exist. We are gathered here today from many different backgrounds, different economic uh, situations, we are yet gathered for one purpose, the purpose of Jesus. And so that the idea that, that this could happen would have been completely foreign before Acts chapter 1. It couldn't have happened. Now it is. It's still happening. The same Holy Spirit that started all these churches, that gave birth to the church, the same Holy Spirit that taught the apostles and gave the apostles the last instructions before Jesus left. That same Holy Spirit is within us. It's within you as a believer in Christ and it is within our church. That same Holy Spirit. So God wanted us to see this transition. He wanted us to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he wanted us to know we have that same Holy Spirit. We are empowered just as they are. We, uh, we tend to get this idea, well, they saw Jesus in person, so their faith would have been stronger. No. We have the presence of Jesus right now with us, right here, right now in this room. Their faith wasn't stronger. Ours is just as strong, empowered by the same Holy Spirit. So what we must do is we must believe. And we must listen to the Holy Spirit. Our problem is that we hear the Holy Spirit perhaps so often that we decide not to follow. We hear the Holy Spirit saying, speak, and we say, no, you got this one wrong. I'm not going to speak right now. Or we hear the Holy Spirit telling us to be silent, and we speak anyway. We hear, we hear the Holy Spirit saying, go, and, and, and we decide we don't want to go. We don't listen. We need to listen. This Holy Spirit that can do all of these amazing things that we're going to see as we continue this study of Acts, that same Holy Spirit is within you as a believer in Christ. Why would you not tap into that power? Why would you not use that guidance, that, that leadership in your life? We don't. The same Holy Spirit that did miracles then does miracles now. He, he has in each of us, hasn't he? He did in me. I was not a friend of God 
at one point. Now I am. Now I'm his beloved son. Now I'm a child of his. I can't speak for you, but, but I think you know that he's done a miracle in you as well. He still does miracles. He's still birthing Christians. He's still birthing churches today. We just have to listen. If there's anything that we understand from the first three verses of Acts, it's that the ministry of Jesus didn't end. The cross didn't end it. The tomb didn't end it. It's not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It might be, as Churchill said, the end of the beginning. Because the church doesn't end. If you read the last book of the Bible, the church is there. The church continues. If you read the last book of the Bible, the believer is, is there. The believer never ends. The Holy Spirit's work never ends. The, 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 the ministry of Christ never ends because the church never ends and the, and the Christian never ends. It's not an end. It's not even the beginning of an end. But it might be the end of the beginning. That's what we learn about the, the ministry of Christ. Do you know Christ? Do you have this ministry within you? This Holy Spirit, this power that, I, that, that I'm talking about here? The risen Christ is he in you because he can be. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Just between you and God, answer the question. Am I empowered by the Spirit of Christ? You can be with a simple prayer. Just follow along with me in your own words. and Say, God, I, I acknowledge that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died on that cross to save me. And so I ask you to empower me with his spirit to live today. Empower me with the risen Christ you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you realize, as, as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that you've been living in your own power. You've been living in, in, on what you can do, not what Christ can do in you and through you. We take a moment right now and ask that God empower you for your life.